Ballistic Sports presents Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Follow Ballistic on Twitter at Ballistic underscore sports. This week, we begin a series on life after baseball. Our guest, Steve Delabar, tells us how we ended up starting his own landscaping business. Actually, I got fired from a high school coaching job. Uh, one of those, well, one of those political things I didn't play kids that they felt should uh, get in there. And I had a friend who called me like less than a week later and he's like, hey, uh, you know, I've got some equipment. Uh, would you be wanting to mow? And now, a man who not only cuts his own grass, but judging by the looks of him, he cuts his own hair too. Barry Davis. I use the Floby. Remember the Floby? I do. Yeah. I'm a big Floby man. <laughs> by the way, that, that, that was a really, really, really bad joke. Yeah. Yeah, I told you. I don't know. Whoever writes for you, I think it's time to fire them. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's Frankie here. Yes, it might be time for a new career for that person. And yep. speaking of, uh, Out of the Park, Life After Baseball, it is the first in a series of conversations we are going to have with former ball players, former Blue Jay players, really, they'll all be. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll find out how they've adjusted to life. Have they had their struggles? Has there been mental health issues? What went into the decision to leave the game and what are you doing now that you've left and today you're going to hear from a guy who had one incredible season with the toronto blue jays he was an all-star he struck out the side at the all-star game Mm -hmm. his story is phenomenal pre-baseball it's just as pretty cool after baseball yeah we'll hear from steve delabar who is now in the world of grass not smoking it Trimming it. Trimming it. Yes. So (laughs) a great conversation with the former Blue Jay. You'll hear part one of a two-part chat with Steve Delabar. We will also have um, Asbury Davis. Is there a question from anybody? I don't have any Asbury Davis this week. Come on, people. Okay, so no Asbury Davis, but we will have uh, results of a poll. We had our fair or foul poll make its triumphant return. Mm -hmm. So we have to look up the results of that. And up next... uh, well, a couple of things in baseball that have happened over the past week, uh, not the least of which a player with mental health issues getting condemned from people for how he needs to deal with his issue. We'll talk about that next here on Out of the Park. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. And we want to make mention again of our wonderful new partners on Out of the Park, and that is Ballistic Sports And you have to check out their website or their Twitter handle because if you're unsure what Ballistic Sports is, is they are a company that has put together uh, a number of really cool interactive board games, all related to sports. You've got a Major League Baseball one, you've got a football one, hockey, and baseball. Did I say? That's it. There we go. Yeah. Three and one again. Yes. (laughs) That's right. Anyhow... So basically what you do is you'll sit there, watch a baseball game, and predict what is going to happen next. And depending on the outcome, you'll be able to you know, move your piece forward or get little things along the way. Yep. And I was asking the, the proprietor of Ballistic Sports, Don Corby, who will be coming on the show, I believe, sometime over the next couple of weeks, just before they have the official launch of these games. Mm-hmm. I said to him, you know, in another month or so, there's not going to be any live sports on other than the NFL. He said, well, funny you should ask that because there is a simulation mode so that, you know, you will guess what happens and then, you know, there'll be something that plays out. So you can still play this game. 
it's a different it's just a different game when you're able to play it while watching a real baseball game yeah exactly yeah so really cool and again uh, don corby uh, will be joining us in the next couple of weeks because we are going to have some giveaways I can't wait. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we, we get one of the giveaways. Well, that's why I'm excited. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, a lot happened over the last week in baseball. First, I want to start with the the sad news of Joe Morgan passing. And, you know, I was talking to somebody I work with yesterday, and he said, oh, come on, you're too young to have remembered Joe Morgan as a as a baseball player. You probably only remember him as a broadcaster. And I said, you know what? I think for a lot of people that watch baseball, maybe under the age of 40, that's how they know Joe Morgan, right? Mm-hmm. ESPN yep. Baseball. But I grew up lo- before the Blue Jays were around. Yeah. I was nine when the Jays came around. I was a baseball fan from the time I could remember. <laughs> I had two favorite teams, the Chicago Cubs, because I had family in Chicago, and the Cincinnati Reds, because I just loved the uniforms. Uh-huh. Really loved the uniforms. And back then, they used to have the game of the week, and it would come on, and a lot of times there were Reds games. And speaking of board games, there was a game back in the 70s, some baseball board game. I don't remember what it was, but I do remember that the uniforms for the players in this game were were like Reds uniforms. So I just became a a big Cincinnati Reds fan. And I got to see the first Major League Baseball game I ever saw was at Wrigley Field, doubleheader, Cubs-Reds, 1977, before I ever saw a Blue Jay game. And I got to see Joe Morgan and... John Johnny Bench and Pete Rose and Concepcion and like it was like all star after all star after all star on that team <laughs> and so it was a lot it was incredible uh, to be able to watch Joe Morgan play live uh, just like an incredible ball player and it's just been a it's just been a year of you know big rock stars and and big uh, big athletes passing away yeah 2020 just keeps on rolling it keeps knocking you right in the chops right mm-hmm. um, so Trevor Bauer is a free agent. Blue Jay fans, you all know that. And he's been using his social media in a very interesting way. I don't know if it's you know good or bad, but he's been pretty much soliciting different cities, kind of saying, hey, how about me coming here? How about yeah. me coming here? Right? Yeah. What do you think of that? Oh, man. I Either he has one heck of a sense of humor, and he's an awful lot of fun, or... Well, that's we, the thing about social media. When you, t- it's hard to type sarcasm. Yeah, it is right. So, like the tone comes off as like, I wouldn't want that guy playing for my team. Mm-hmm. Like he just, you know, he seems like a jerk. Mm-hmm. But if he's just trying to have fun with it, yeah. like if he thinks it's a, it's funny, trying to drum up some interest, some publicity for the game, like he could be trying to do all the right things. Right. I, I don't think it's striking the right message. No, and again, caused a lot of controversy this past week. Whether, like, I I don't want to read anything into it one way or the other. I'm pretty much just going to say what the situation was. Mm -hmm. So he was sending out a lot of these tweets. Uh, Some woman in L.A. tweeted back to him and said something along the lines, don't waste your time, we don't want you here, or something like that. So he retweeted her and said, you know, oh, hey, everybody in L.A., is, is this woman, you know, in charge of, you know, social media or is she in charge of you know what we like in la kind of thing just kind of like you know you insult me i insult you back well a writer for deadspin i think it is Mm -hmm. saw this and wrote a whole story about it was very misogynistic of him to make that comment and then that started a whole thing on twitter where people were calling him sexist and stuff like that and others were saying 
I don't understand it. I mean, you know, you didn't insult this person because they were a woman. You just insulted them because they insulted you first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so again, it, it just again shows you how volatile the world of social media is. Yeah. And it's we've kind of been talking about this on the show for the last few episodes where there is no right position on an issue no right like the the only voices that are are getting heard and are getting like we shouldn't be talking about this right now that Mm -hmm. shouldn't be there's so many big stories in mlb right the season's still on there's you know so much upheaval in the game there's so many important things to talk about we shouldn't be talking about no right no um what what would have been the right like what's the right move for him to do I this you know what if I could give any social media advice to any major league baseball player is never ever ever reply to someone who's ripping you because yeah. it will do you no good. Yep. Brett Cecil had that happen to him. He got and then he ended up having to get off social media. Yeah. That would be my like because there's no like why would he have retweeted that right right and. Uh, where uh, where sexism comes in, I don't I don't know in that situation mm-hmm. because so is it anytime a man like gets into an argument with a woman that man is now sexist if he has a disagreement with a woman like yeah she, I mean, she attacked him right and then he threw it back at her well and that's kind of tongue in cheek it's not even yeah. like he was attacked like does 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 she speak for all of you She's yeah not, he's not even saying anything bad about her. yeah I I I agree I agree I mean I have no time for people who degrade women, demean them, say anything sexist. But I think in the case of what happened, and I don't know, I mean, other people were saying he has a track record of, of this, but I've, I personally have never seen him write anything demeaning towards women. If it's there and you've seen it, then I, I'll, I completely get it, but mm-hmm. I've never personally seen it. So, again... It, it just seems like trash journalism, right? Well, like, yeah, I know. think this guy was just going for clicks. Yeah. Honest to God, I think he was P- going for take clicks. Take a hard edge and mm-hmm. say something, I mean... You know, it's kind of kind of the popular way to get those clicks lately, right? Yeah. You know, pick a pick a topic and and pick a a slant on it that is completely out to lunch yep. and get everybody angry. Yeah, pretty much. And here we are talking about it. Here we are talking about it. <laughs> One other story I wanted to talk about, and I really wanted to bring this up with you because mm-hmm. while you this is not completely you, it all kind of falls in the same kind of area and you probably know people who have this mm-hmm. Zach Greinke fantastic pitcher all-star pitcher pitching in the postseason and he was doing his pregame media thing and he was quoted as saying and again I I'm taking this I'm trying to keep the context up but I can't remember word for word what what was said mm-hmm. but it was along the lines of I'm glad that we're playing these games without any fans in the stands because I hate having to sign autographs and talking to people. Now I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And anybody who had no idea of Zach Greinke's background just started ripping the crap at him. And if you don't, if you didn't know his background, I, I can understand if you don't know the context of it, you'd be like, "What a douchebag this guy is!" Right? <laughs> well, uh, I got a thought about that. Uh, I don't know. I just think that. That's kind of the thing. Like, really, you hate fans that much? Where they're the ones, and you read some of the yeah, comments. But it's like, does that make him a bad person? Well, not well. But the, hang on. Mm-hmm. When I know why he did it, yes, I'm saying if you have no idea yeah. that this was an issue for him, as far as you know, he's a real sociable guy. Mm-hmm. So you had no idea. 
And where I'm getting at is that he has severe social anxiety, like severe. And I never had social anxiety. A very good friend of mine uh, does, Mm -hmm. lives out in Alberta. And he said, uh, and I don't want to say his name in case he doesn't want me to reveal, although we may have talked to him about it. But anyway, he would be, like, he couldn't go into a shopping mall. He couldn't go out anywhere in public because he would just shrivel up. Yeah, I've been there. Right? Yeah. You, you've you actually had when some was, social anxiety? I, yeah. When I was at my sickest, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't leave my bedroom. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you're an a-hole. No. It doesn't mean that you're insensitive and you don't like people. But, you know, it can be absolutely frightening. Yeah. I mean, having gone through it, what is that feeling that you that overcomes you if you are surrounded by people or in a crowd? You know, it's, it's, it's indescribable when it gets really bad. But it's terrifying. And this, this strikes me because it, it, it shows sort of two, two sides of the same coin of the issue. Because it, it's one issue, and it's how we deal with mental health. Mm-hmm. And the first side of it is, what's wrong with a guy saying, you know what, I hate this? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when how many musicians hate dealing with fans? Or, you know, why is why does that make them a bad person, just admitting that they don't like something? Right. There's nothing wrong with that, right? right? But we have to pretend that, okay, you know, he has to like this, right, whether he does or not. Of course he's going to now have social anxiety because he has to pretend to like something that he hates and that he's subjected to every day, thousands of people, right? And the the power of anxiety and, and, and any sort of mental illness um, can be so all-encompassing mm-hmm. that, yeah, I, you know, I would rather go out and, and greet a whole bunch of people on a freshly broken arm, um, and, which I've done, mm-hmm. uh, than on some of those days when I was sick, get up and, and just say hello to my wife. And, you know, that's such a good point. It, it's such a good point, and it's something that gets overlooked by so many people is the fact that, you know, if a player couldn't go out and sign autographs because he had a broken leg, mm-hmm. no one would say boo. I completely understand he's got a broken leg. If a player couldn't go and sign autographs because he had to go get treatment on his groin, mm-hmm. nobody's oh he's got he's got an injury they go get treated. Yep. But if a player can't sign autographs because he suffers from severe uh, social anxiety, yep. he becomes an a hole. Yeah, he's a jerk. He's a jerk. Yep. Or selfish or mopey. Because or, or, yep. And, and and why is it that if it was an injury or a broken leg or whatever, it, people would accept it? Because they they can see it, and mm-hmm. most people aren't smart enough to be able to see anxiety. Those of us who have dealt with it, either with ourselves or with others, we can see it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you can see it across the room. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, that thousand mile stare. Right. Yeah. And it it's it's funny because there's so many people that are affected by mental health right now, and have been severely affected even before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I use, whenever someone asks me about it, I don't like to be in, in people's faces about my advocacy. Um, but a situation like this is a really good situation to draw it out and, and to talk about it. Because it, what I always say to people is we should stop worrying about the why. Like if someone feels they can't do something, let's stop asking them why. Yeah. Right? That could have been, that, about, that, that could be something we could get for, out of this whole COVID yeah. thing. How, right? how about, the, how about a better question is, 
what can I do to help? Yeah. How can I make it easier? Can yeah. I make it more enjoyable? Right. right? Yes. You know, looking for solutions rather than just yeah. That's the it, it's a it's a hard issue because there's so much misunderstanding about mm-hmm. it. And you know, the people that are suffering, it, it's a it's a difficult thing to talk about. And it's so hard because you know, these feelings, you you ask me how it feels and, and it's hard to describe. Mm-hmm. I can go through a panic attack with you and I can and I can tell you about it, but that that all encompassing pervasive feeling of fear and 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 pain. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it it's it, it has that indescribable it, it's hard to put your finger on it. But should we? Like when someone breaks their arm, do we go, Hey, so tell me, like the minutiae, like does it really hurt here yeah. or does it hurt over there? Like, no, they broke their arm. Leave them alone. Yeah. Let, help them get better. Oh, you've been diagnosed with cancer. So yeah. how, how often are you throwing up each day? Exactly. We would make our whole world so much indescribably better if yeah. we could just treat people with all illnesses the same. Don't ask about the details. A little compassion. Yes. Compassion, understanding, and caring. Well said. <laughs> yeah. I've got nothing else to add to that. Well, there we go. There we go. All right. We will not have Ask Barry Davis this week because nobody cares enough to ask Barry Davis. Well, no, I think it's because we've done such a good job of answering the last few questions. People are loading up for next week. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, Tom, tell people how they can submit a question in case they forgot. They can use the hashtag AskBarryDavis on Twitter or you can DM either Barry or myself on Twitter. I'm at fourth underscore Thomas, and Barry's at Barry Davis underscore. Just make sure that Twitter is actually working. Did you get? Did you? Yeah. Uh, how did you find out? You told me that Twitter was down. Yeah. I thought I'd been hacked. I thought I uh, maybe my account had been suspended. I'm like, what's going on? I can't tweet. I can't tweet. It's been ten minutes and I can't tweet. Yeah. No. I. <laughs> yeah, I've got my. You know, <laughs> I've got my sources. I suppose. Oh. I, I look. No, I just the certain things I follow on. Did you Reddit find out on Twitter. Reddit. Twitter was down. Reddit. Reddit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And only the cool kids use Reddit, so I don't know much about it. You got. It takes practice. Yeah. Yeah. I got invited to do a a Reddit thing about the Blue Jays three years ago after I left Sportsnet, mm-hmm. and I he sent me some code. I tried to get. I couldn't figure it out, and then all of a sudden, other people in the Reddit chat were sending me messages saying I'm an a hole. Because uh, I think I'm a big shot and wouldn't appear on their Reddit. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Oh, dear. Yes. Anyway, (laughs) um, enough of us yammering on. Mm. Uh, How does a guy go from Major League Baseball to cutting grass for a living? We'll find out as we are joined by landscaper aficionado Steve Delabar. Up next, there is Tom Forth. I'm Barry Davis, and this is Out of the Park. Strawberry feels forever. Strawberry feels forever. Strawberry feels forever. And now, in the dugout with Barry Davis. You know, Tom, each and every week I try to think of a piece of music that would fit with what we're going to be chatting about, and uh, you came up with it. Strawberry Fields Forever. There we go. Yeah. Just talking talking to, to Steve during this interview, I just thought of, you know, beautiful green fields, yeah. rolling lawns. Yeah, very <laughs> nice. And, you know, it's interesting because we put out this picture on Twitter this past weekend and Facebook, and it was a picture of Steve minus his head. Mm-hmm. So it was cut off. You just saw the little bottom of the beard. And I just asked people randomly, 
you know, said something about this. Uh, you know, which former Toronto Blue Jay pitcher is uh, now working as a landscaper? Yep. And a lot of people guessed Steve Delabar. Congratulations to them. But we got guesses for Dave Steeb. We got guesses for Jason Grilly. We had a lot of really good guesses. Yeah. Uh, somebody actually said Ricky Romero. And uh, well, you see that one. Uh, what struck me right away is the wrong hand for Romero. Well, and and you know, Ricky's a lot shorter. Well, you can't tell that in the picture, though. No, no I looked, I looked, and and yeah, I could see like, but but clearly a right-handed pitcher. So. Oh, clearly a <laughs> right-handed pitcher. So Steve Delabar uh, had a, had a really interesting and hardworking career when you consider his story, and he's told this story on a previous show. Uh, you know how he went through, you know, playing independent baseball, working on the side, and then literally fracturing, fracturing his elbow in a game, having to go through Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. going back to being a supply teacher. I mean, the story is it, it's crazy wild, and it's really, really impressive what Steve did to get to that point. Yeah. And then he makes it to the big leagues. He gets traded to the Blue Jays. He has a season where him and Brett Cecil are lights out. They were like the bright spot of the Blue Jays in 2013. Mm-hmm. And remember, 2013 was the year that everything was supposed to go right for the Blue Jays. They made the big deals the big in moves. the offseason. Yeah. Jose Reyes, all-star yep. shortstops coming to Toronto. They get... Uh, um, they get Swing and a miss. Yeah, yeah. Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson. Led the National League in strikeouts and ERA. Yeah. You have the Cy Young Award winner coming in R.A. Dickey. Yep. You've got a guy who's thrown a perfect game in Mark Burley. And you're looking at this pitching staff and you're going, and everyone, Vegas had them, the odds on favorites to win the World Series. Yep. And everything went except for Brett Cecil and Steve Delabar. Yep. And I remember at the time, it was not a common thing for middle relievers no. to get that invite. No, and the to... Jays got two of them. Yeah. yeah. And Steve ended up, uh, there was a promotion, he, he was up for the fan vote. Yes, yeah, and fan vote. Yep. Blue Jay fans came out in droves, and yep. it, the Raise the Bar campaign. And, you know, Steve goes and he pitches in the All-Star game. He faces three batters. He strikes out all three batters. Mm-hmm. But things, you know, did not go that great for him after that uh he was dfa'd in 2015 by the toronto blue jays the year they went to the postseason and uh then he had a very brief stint with the cincinnati reds and then was in camp with the texas rangers and that was pretty much it for his baseball career Mm -hmm. and we decided you know i think it was after hearing the story of josh towers telling us and a lot of players and telling us what they had to deal with after baseball that we should really put a focus on life after baseball because it's a real fascinating concept. Yeah. What happens to these guys that, you know, are living the life that have worked their entire life to achieve something and it's really the only thing they've ever done and the only thing they really know how to do. Yeah. Right? A lot of them had nothing else but baseball and now baseball is gone and you're not 65 years old ready to sit back and retire. Mm-hmm. You're in your 30s probably maybe even in your 20s. Mm-hmm. So then what happens to you? Where, where does your life go from there? Can you make it? Can you? Will you struggle? And over the next several weeks, we'll hear from a number of players that are no longer playing and find out how their transition was. Thankfully, for our guest Steve Delabar, things have gone swimmingly well. 
Well, Steve, I don't know if you happen to see the post I made on Facebook and Twitter, but basically I had a picture of you with your head cut off, and I had people try to guess who it was that we were having on the show. And many people got it right, but we had we had uh, someone guess Ricky Romero, which I thought was a little bit strange. You know, I think you're you're a lot taller than Ricky. <laughs> well, how close was this picture? It was a pretty close up shot. The only thing missing was okay. Then it's was, hard to tell. It's hard to tell when you're you're. I mean, close up. You well, come on. But uh, we had some guesses for Dave Steeb. Just take that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. All right. Right. So, so it made me think. When I was growing up and playing baseball, I wanted to be. I was Lloyd Mosby. Like you know, when I was playing little league or pickup, I'd always pretend I was Lloyd Mosby. Did you pretend you were someone? Were you somebody when you played as a kid? Yeah, it was me. No. Oh come on, <laughs> no. egotistical. No, 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 no. no. I, I, I'm. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, my brother and I, we we used to. Uh, we knew every team, every roster, everything. So we would play games one on one, and we had to bet. Like, we had everybody's stance. You had to hit like him. So. Oh, that's so cool. Oh. And we're using tennis balls and playing against each other. And, and uh, so we had to, if it was like a, a, a smaller guy that, that hits for contact, you had to hit that way. You couldn't just open up and really try to hit for the fences. You had to bat like that guy. We batted right and left-handed uh, and did every stance from every team, like uh, just and, and played that way. So, uh, but are you trying to say who's my favorite player? No, I just wanted to know who who you wanted to be as a kid, but now it sounds like you were everybody, right? I mean, I always used to do um you're probably a little young to remember a pitcher by the name of Louis Tiant, pitched for the Red Sox for many years, and he had this wild windup where he would literally turn his body around and point towards second base and then spin back around. So I'd always try to be him. You did all these things, but who is who is the one that you love doing the most in person? Can I talk now? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, growing up, Ken Griffey Jr., probably like a lot of kids, you know, was my favorite player. Uh, try to stand. It was just, you know, something about him. Everybody loved him. Yeah, so he, he even did though have... he wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't around, you know, I lived in Kentucky and he's in Seattle. Uh, you love watching him play and and just mm-hmm. really fun to watch. Yeah, he did have that. Of course, he had a bunch of home runs and did all that too, so that was cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he did have that sweet swing. Uh, I was oh, he, swing. He, he was one of my favorites as well. My favorite to to emulate was always Julio Franco. Ooh, that's an interesting one. That was my favorite yeah. batting stance. I could, I'd like to see how far the other way I could get the bat, and then still get it. <laughs> <event. laughs> I like it. So, what was it like for you? Uh, I mean, you end up playing with the Seattle Mariners, and that was the yeah. team where Ken Griffey Jr. was was a god. So, you must have had an opportunity to meet Ken Griffey Jr. in your life. Yeah, and I was about, uh, I was like a six year old going up to meet someone I was like couldn't talk I was you know and you meet a whole bunch of people when you play 
mm-hmm. big stars. You play against them, but but I, when I first saw him and and, and I, I wanted to ask him to sign a ball, and I like I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, before, so you know, you put your head down and put put the ball in the air. Like <laughs> I was like, and he's like, but he even. As he came in, as because he was kind of like uh, a lot of former players, like advisors and and other things like that. So he he come in and he's like, you know, doing handshakes and you know hugs and just like he's one of the players and he, and you can tell why why he was such a you know a good clubhouse guy uh, just because and everybody wanted to be around him. So, uh, but I don't know. He's he to me he was because I grew up. You know, I had posters and and all that. He, you know, he was he was on another level for me. How the hell did you become a pitcher then? I think you'd be like a big slugger. Well, I thought I would because uh, I hit everywhere. Everywhere I played, I always hit. And um, and then I got to college, and that's when you know velocity started picking up, and they're like, "Yeah, you're gonna pitch." So you didn't like ask to, you were told to. Uh, yeah. And, well, and then my first year, this is a pretty funny story. My first year, I have uh, Tommy John. So I'm out, and if I try to bet, because I, and I told you I switch hit when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So if I would uh, bat right-handed, because I couldn't throw, you know, I was shut down. If I try to bat right-handed and I got extended, you know, try to get all the way through, it would pull on my elbow, and I didn't, I didn't like that. It didn't feel very good. But if I batted left-handed, I didn't feel it. So uh, there was a catcher who was working on his swing and trying to get, uh, you know, trying to lift the ball because he couldn't get the ball in the air. And I would be there, and I'm just kind of annoying. I would just bother the student system every day. Like, let me hit, let me hit, let me hit, let me hit. He goes, you can't hit. You're a pitcher. I'm like, oh, don't start with me. <laughs> So, uh, and I would just say, let me hit, let me hit, let me hit. And the, and the catcher's like, oh, you know, I can't even, I, I can't. He's like, you get in there. He's like, you get one pitch. Literally, left-handed, got in there, one pitch, home run. <laughs> nice. Did you go oppo? Yeah. And the, and, and the, do what? I said, did you what go, you did you go oppo with your home run? No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, no. Pulled it way deep. That's okay. And, uh, Still impressive. the catcher. The catcher who was trying to hit the ball in the air just throws his bat in the air, and he's like, I cannot believe that just happened. The guy doesn't even hit, and he doesn't hit left-handed, and he hits the ball out, and I can't even get the ball in the air. While recovering from surgery? No, no, no. I hadn't had surgery yet. Oh, you were still waiting. This is before. Yeah, so, yeah, I had the, uh, you know, it happened, like, March, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have surgery until July. Um, thinking because it was a partial tear and they thought well we'll just give it time and rehab and and maybe it'll go back on its own so by the time we get to July uh, I went down to see Dr. Andrews and and uh, and finally he said you know once you get to that point where your 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 ligaments as stretched and as lax as it should be that's when he starts doing that tug and uh, he said it's just beyond self-repair wow so they went in and and uh i i probably could have waited it out uh 
even longer, but you know, I'm, I got to get back in there. So I had the surgery and then I was back in game in 10 months. Of course. I mean, you're the same guy that <clears throat> continued to pitch, even though you fractured your elbow years ago too. So, I mean, you're, you're a tough young man. I think it's, uh, I kind of just ignore pain sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, just keep going and like, yeah, that hurts, but, uh, <laughs> you still got this going on over here. Steve, I want to get back into to your career in baseball in a bit, but I want to I want to focus a little bit on on life after baseball. And we're talking to a lot of players lately who uh, are no longer playing in the majors and how they've adjusted and adapted to life after baseball. And for many, it's it's real difficult. It is a real tough transition. You have found a new passion, a new love, and you're making a, a nice little career out of it. Uh, tell us about what you're doing for those who do not know. And how you got into this? Um, I'm running my own lawn care business, and uh, started. Actually, I got fired from a high school cooking job. Oh, geez. Uh, one of those, well, one of those political things. I didn't play kids that they felt should uh, get in there, and 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 I don't, I don't do that. So, <laughs> uh, so they're like, nah. It ended up coming out that I resigned for personal reasons, but let's get serious. Mm. So, um, uh, and then uh, I had a friend who called me like less than a week later, and he's like, hey, uh, you know, I got some equipment. Uh, would you be wanting to mow? And I'm like, sure, I love mowing. Uh, so started mowing all summer, and then uh, and the guy was like, hey, man, I'm losing sleep every night, wondering why you're not doing your own stuff. I'm like, well, I'm pretty loyal. I told you I was going to work, you know, you know, cover your your accounts and and work for you. So, at the end, in the middle of the summer is not a good time to start. <laughs> so I said, you know, at the end of the season we can reevaluate. So they decided not to keep their stuff going, and, uh, and that's when I, you know, got some equipment and and uh, started picking up and and doing fall cleanup and, and all the stuff that's going on now. I uh, started really picking that up and then started over this year and, and, and it became official with the LLC and, and all that named it. I named it. I guess I properly named it lawn relief. <laughs> nice. Oh God, that's clever. <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny here. I am. And, and it actually, it, it, it's worked out a couple of times because, you know, I guess when, when the guy's not getting the job done, you got to call the bullpen, right. And bring in the relief. So I've actually had a couple that I had to take over, um, just people that weren't getting it done and so uh but it's mowing you know trimming hedges but i love the detail of it and i explain to people i'm like you know you, you travel and you play at all these different ballparks and you get to be on all different types of turf see the landscape and like everything and the detail that goes into it you know it's not just like just go out there with a push mower and just knock it down you know they're really meticulous with their stuff, and and I, I you know, I admired that. So, and I've always like kept up in my own yard and did things like that. So, um, just try to get better and better and better, and and uh, you know, you research and you you go over and, and how can I improve and get better. It's like anything else. And my wife gets she's like, oh, here we go when I start talking about something because I can't go just halfway in anything. I just go all in. And, uh, you know, this is one of those that it's like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. 
and you know, I, like here lately, I've been doing a lot of uh, aerations. You know, that's where you open up the ground and uh, you, you pull out the. If you go to a golf course this time of year, mm-hmm. uh, you have the little dirt plugs that they pull out. Well, do that. That opens up for you know some good patching, allows water and air, and then you overseed, which allows the you know, seed to get a little deeper into the ground, and then you gotta maybe amend the soil and get the soil right because I mean, if your ground's not right, then your grass isn't going to take and you're still going to be patchy and all over the place. So, um, so I'm in your steady building and, and, you know, not, not going all in, uh, with equipment all at one time You slowly build and then eventually, you know, get everything that I need and be able to do it 100% first class. It's funny. It's it's actually a much more natural transition, it seems to me, because, you know, as, as any major leaguer will know, you guys spend your entire careers playing on some of the best groomed grass that you can find. Mm-hmm. Some and, players also play after smoking grass. So, <laughs> you know, is that even allowed in the end? I don't know. I don't know. I knew a lot of players that said they were okay with artificial turf, but they prefer to play on grass. Oh! Oh, dear. Oh, but um, yeah. nice dad did. <laughs> anyway, sorry to interrupt you, Tom. Uh, no. Yeah, well, ju- just as you know, you drew inspiration from players like Ken Griffey Jr., were there, were there any beautiful parks you looked at the grass and thought, I got to get into this, or that you've drawn inspiration from even after the fact, thinking I want this to look like Fenway, or I want it to look like Kaufman, or just not R- Rogers Center. Well, no. Uh, funny you say that because people ask me, "What's your favorite ballpark?" And aesthetic, you go, "Well, you want the baseball feel. You want like the barbecue. You want like you know like the barbecue smoke. You just want that good feel." And I said, Baltimore is like, yes. it's, it's got the good backdrop with the city, just a beautiful looking ballpark. Plus it sits down and then you got all the smells and, and everything about it. And I mean, the field's in good condition. Um, obviously Fenway, you know, with, with that atmosphere, um, uh, you said Kaufman. So out there in Kansas city with the, with the waterfalls and everything that, that was, you know, one of my favorite places to play. Seattle was another one. Really loved that place, just because you know the weather and. Uh, but when somebody asked me about you know which had the best field, I said Oakland. Really, me, Oakland had Oakland like you could. I could lay it on the grass all day there. I, I remember we go out for pitcher stretch and you just you sit down and start stretching like. Oh, I don't even want to stretch. I just want to lay here. See, I thought awful. you were taking a nap whenever I'd see you there at Oakland. I was like, <laughs> Delabar's having a so, nap out. So there. that field was probably one of the best out there until football season, and then they would share and it get yeah, ripped up. But, uh, but they would. I mean, for for as much as it gets beat up and getting used double um, later in the season, you know, I mean, they still do a very very good job. I I have this this book, and it's a guy who on the White Sox field. So whenever they, uh, it was like uh, maybe a granddad and then the dad and now the son took over as the field field guy. Um, they said that they had finally got the, the soil just absolutely perfect. And then the team was like, yeah, we're going to build another stadium. And they're like, oh, you're going to take this infield with you. So they literally dug up the entire infield and took it over. No way. 
Yeah. That's a job. It said, <laughs> yeah. They, it, it takes years and years and years to get at a certain point. It's like, we're going to bring in all brand new dirt. Don't know what the, the levels, the pH, and all, you know, all the stuff that's in it. Mm-hmm. We have finally got this dirt exactly like we want it. And now, now you're going to go ahead and build another city. You're going to go ahead and pick up all this stuff here, and you're literally going to take it over to that other stadium. And they did it. So, Steve, some advice for someone who, you know, sees these ballparks on the field and they see how cool the grass and the outfield looks and the lines and stuff, and they think, can I do that to my backyard? How do I do that if I want to have these, you know, you know, crisscross lines to make it look like a ball field? Call up lawn relief. Well, yeah. So what's the secret? We're not, you're not going to be giving the line, it yeah. The lines are nothing but dimming the light. What? That's it. That's it. That's it. It's, it's just the way that you see it. All the grass is green. Yeah, I know. But I'm talking but about... Most of it is green. But you're bending the light. So it's just the way that, 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 that the grass lays that that's how you that's how you see it. So if you are say you have a push mower and you're going say from your, your driveway to your house, when you turn around and look, that stripe that you just put down is gonna be dark. But when you turn around and come back the other way, you're gonna lay it, it it's light as you're pushing it down. So the next time you go and, and mow, you're going to mow on your, you're going to go forward on your light lines, and then that's all you do. You just stay on your on your light lines, and then when you turn around because you bent the the grass the other way, it's going to look dark whenever you turn around. Interesting. And then when you start crisscrossing, that's just the same thing. You just overlap, but you made it lay a, 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 another way. Is there a specific technique that you need to use to to make sure that the grass, you know, stays in optimal condition? Like, does it need to be mown in different directions at different times, or is as long as you're? Well, it depends on what you're using. If 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 you're using a push mower, then you're less likely to cause uh, big ruts in your in your mm-hmm. ground. But if you have the big machine, sometimes when it's it's wet, you you, you get in there and you know, the soil starts to, to move a little bit. And then, so that's why you want to go, you don't want to mow the same way every time, or you will, you know, create those ruts. So whenever you do go the opposite direction, maybe you, maybe you do like a checkerboard, mm-hmm. it's going to be really, really bumpy. Um, so, and also, uh, like, I, I, I do that. I, I do the, the crisscross or the, the checkerboard or whatever, but mm-hmm. I always do, they call it double cutting or, um, no, double cut. Yes, yeah. yeah. um, I just do that because it gives me two different angles in which I cut the grass, so it's just a clean cut. Because um, sometimes it may be in a little, because nobody has like perfect baseball field grass, like uh, dirt, so it's not completely even. You get little mm-hmm. hills, little bumps, so your your deck kind of wobbles and your tires go down and. So you just try to create that thing, make it look as clean as possible, and uh, with no little wild hair sticking up here and there. <laughs> Are so you I'm, the way the, the and the, so the way I I like to do it is I said if somebody is paying me to do their yard, then they deserve my best. So I can't possibly like just go and just do it as fast as I can and 
and and just because I'm trying to beat a clock. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. And I, 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 some, I have probably spent way too much time on the properties that I've had this year because I just can't leave until I'm satisfied. So I tell people like up front, I'm like, let's go ahead and just agree on a price and not just go like where I send you a bill afterward based on the time that I'm there because you're you're paying me for what you think it should be done and I'm going to spend the time that I know that I want to get done it. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I have, in my mind, I, I'll show up and I'll look at the property and I, I, I had a bunch of art classes um, in high school so I could see things prior to um, and know exactly how I'm going to go with my, like I'll know my first cut but I know what I'm going to do and I'll know how it looks. So, uh, so whenever I do it, it's like, ooh, that looks so good. <laughs> uh, but, but I tell people, and they don't know what's going to happen until after, and they're like, wow, look at that. And I'm like, yeah, I already knew that was going to happen. <laughs> so, so I, 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 but it's just, you were saying the, the homeowner just, I mean, the lights mm-hmm. literally just go down, come back, go down, come back, and then, Cut and just try it out mess up yeah yeah because it's just going to grow back it's right grass. yeah it's yeah. just like yeah. it's like your haircuts then, right steve yeah, it, yeah right you have a bad haircut it's it will like grow right low, so you can't tell <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned smells of a ballpark and you know in baltimore i mean the the bullpens are right underneath boog's barbecue which is incredible and i've eaten there before right. and it's so for me, it's the smells of the food that I love. But for you, is it just that smell of the fresh cut grass that just is like your no, thing? No, 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 no. It's it's everything. It's the, it's the grass. It, it's it's just because you grow up, you don't play on like synthetic fields. Well, now they're starting to because all the sports parks and everybody like they're they're putting those in for tournament play. Mm-hmm. But growing up, you played on dirt and grass, so it's just kind of nostalgic. Oh, like this is, this takes me back, and you know you got uh, the dad of the other team over there, yeah. you know grilling burgers in between games because he he runs concession too. <laughs> so you got uh, you just got everybody. It's just every bit of it is just like you know what this is what you grew up with. So when you go to those ballparks and it's just on a bigger scale, so you got mm-hmm. you know your same type of food. Uh, but you know they dress it up a certain way and charge you way more. <laughs> <laughs> way, way more. Uh huh. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 funny that that whole sensory experience um, kind of leads me to in, into the next question I wanted to ask because you know you are removed from the game now for uh, you know the better part of well I guess more than a year now. Um, and by the way, Steve, if you look on your Wikipedia page. They give me credit for breaking the news that you retired. It's like, first of all, Delabar's got a Wikipedia page. And secondly, I didn't even know that we did that. So congratulations to me. Well, I believe, yeah, I believe that was, uh, I think, I don't know, I, I think when I talked to you before, yeah, I think you, you, you said it. So yeah. I guess that was like the first official um, like retired, mm-hmm. which is funny because like when I broke my elbow, 
I wasn't ready to be done. So I said, yeah, I might not ever play again, but I'm never, ever going to retire. <laughs> and, and then fast forward, it's like, okay, I've done a lot now, so I'm pretty content. So yeah, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> well, now that you've good and done it, is there anything in particular that, that you really, you know, reaches out to you from, from those days in the game that you really miss or that you wish you had back in your life? Uh, not no. A, <laughs> I, I love no, that answer. <laughs> no, there's, there's nothing. Um, there's a few things. Like I told somebody, I was like, uh, I could have, I, I wrote down like good and bad things that happened in my career. It's like, I've checked off like every box there is. I'm like, there's not like I, I'm way too old to sign a multi-year contract. And then like what everybody wants to do, which the majority of people don't get a chance to ever. And that's like playing the world series. So I'm like, I've done pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah, no, there's, there's nothing that I, I mean, besides like hanging out with the guys, that's about it. Um, and then you still stay in touch with them, but you know, everybody's got their families and they, they go their separate ways. So, um, but yeah, as far as the game itself and, and missing something that I wish, no, no, I feel, I feel pretty, pretty good about how everything went. Of course, everybody wants to play forever. I'm going to play till 45 and make billions of dollars and do all that. But how many guys actually get to do that? Very, Very few. few. Well, so yeah. you can, Go ahead. Yeah, very few actually even get the opportunity to play at the level you played at. Right. So, you know what I mean? So many players, though, that we've spoken to have really had some difficulties in that transition. And I think you mentioned the guys, being around the guys in the clubhouse is, is one thing they miss. Another is the level of competition and where they fill that void of wanting to compete. If you are an ultra-high competitor in everything, you know, like, do you now walk, go around and see other people that cut grass and say, ha, I'm better than that. Or, oh, okay. I gotta, I gotta raise the bar. So quote unquote, uh, uh -huh. to do better. You like that, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, yes, I do. So uh, we'll get on something else in a second, but mm -hmm. yes, I do. And like, I'll tell people, even lawn care people, like you might've been doing this for a long time, but, you're not my competition. The only competition I have is the people at Disney World. <laughs> like they're, because they're immaculate landscape. That's what I'm going for. So I like look at these yards. I'm like, oh, I feel like you can cut grass. But does he edge it up right? Does he, you know, there's a little thing. Do they complete, like, I try to like get every single blade of grass blown off a driveway or a road or just, but you're not going to, but you try to be, immaculate because I'm like people are, you know, pay money for you to do this and I don't want to I don't want them coming out going I can do that mm -hmm. then what's the per, you know what's the use of me being there so you go to Disney World and you see how they have everything just crisp now they basically take it from the greenhouse and put it in but but mm -hmm. it's still uh, and I say that because I went down there last fall uh, when we had fall break and um I'm like, this is awful. Like, happiest place on earth. And now I've got 
I got to raise the bar. <laughs> so, but that's, that's the level I want to get to when somebody talks about, oh, you have, you have that guy. Oh man, that's what I want to get to. And it's like automatic that you know, I'm providing a certain type of, you know, service that people, so I'm kind of going against myself and just like an athlete. And I even ask people, because uh, like a player, you always want to know what you can improve on. You're like, even if you do well, you're like, okay, there's always something I can do because I wasn't absolutely perfect. So what can I do better? And I'll, and I'll ask people, clients that have them, like, what can I do better? How can I make all this work better? And they're like, what? They're like blown away that I even asked the question, but I'm like, no, no, no. I, I, I need to be, this is my competition. I need to be, somehow I need to be better. Even if you think I'm absolutely perfect, I, there's something I can do better. So, so that's, that's like, you know, and, and then I was thinking the same thing, the, the question that you asked about, uh, you know, the, the way it looks, things that, like, I would tell people, I, I want to take care of your stuff for free just to prove that that I'm better than that other person. <laughs> there is part one with former Toronto Blue Jays, Steve Delabar. Lots more where that came from coming up in part two. And if you'd like to listen to part two of Steve, along with a bunch of part twos, and we've got everybody on there, even way back to Jose Bautista yep. and uh, Josh Donaldson. And one of the cool things we have for our members as well, and we're going to start bringing this back as long as we have a little bit notice of when we're going to have a guy on, is to have our members submit questions that we can ask the players. Yeah, and it's really yeah. cool. It's an opportunity to interact. That was always my favorite. Yeah, right. Was when I got to get a few questions. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you would like to join the OTP club and become a member, go to Patreon.com/slash Out of the Park. Yes. And eventually we'll have that link up on our website when our web's website is no longer... I'm so excited for the day this website. It's the, the imminently close day this website's going to yes, be ready. I know. It is, it's coming very, very soon. So, yes, become a member, help us out, and uh, access all this great material that you can hear each and every week. Your votes have been tabulated. Time now for Barry's Fair or Foul poll results. Yes, it has made its return, Tom Forth. And in the future, after you hear Tim Langton say that, that's where you will say the out-of-the-park fair or foul poll this week was, and then you read along. So let's do that. All right. So the out-of-the-park fair or foul poll, first week back. The question was, this week we asked which free agent pitcher should the Blue Jays go after? The choices were Trevor Bauer, Marcus Stroman, James Paxton, or other. And the results were a pretty clear victory. And I'm curious if this poll had been. I know, you know Trevor Bauer won, Trevor, but what was the percentage? Fifty percent. Wow. At a, yeah, at fifty percent. And third, I thought Stroman would get a lot more. No, Stroman. Stroman came in last. Really? Last place, sixteen percent for Stroman, and I put my vote for Stroman. Yeah. Yep. Because just based on sheer statistics, right? Yeah. My heart told me Paxton, who came in second, at thirty-one percent. Wow. And then others. At three percent, so yeah, I, I, I'd be really curious to see after all the sort of the messing around that uh, that Bauer's done this week, what that poll would say well, now. Very, very interesting. The, so, well, the one thing I do want to say: uh, a lot of people 
the the out of those three percent, yeah, the write-in names: Robbie Ray, yeah, and Walker. Yeah, two guys they already have on the roster. Yeah, well, no, they're they're free agents. Oh yeah, but you know what I mean. They were Blue Jays already. All right, well, listen, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Out of the Park. Tom, I may cut my own hair, but at least I have hair to cut. Oh. Thank you, folks, for making us a part of your week. You've been listening to Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Thanks for joining us. Get home safely and see you next time.